Welcome to the podcast from the Temple. I'm Rabbi Peter Berg. And I'm Rabbi Lauren Filson Lapidus. This episode is brought to you by the Temple, Atlanta's oldest and youngest synagogue. Peter, it is the afternoon before the day before Hanukkah, the festival of miracles, a joyous time for Jewish families and and Jews and especially Jewish children everywhere. Of course. And when you read the Hanukkah story, of course, there are so many different miracles, right? There's the miracle of uh, the cruise of oil. There's the miracle of uh, defeating the army that was going to destroy us. There's the miracle of uh, the interfighting within the Jewish community that saved us. But today we're going to talk about another kind of miracle. It's funny, on your list of miracles, um, I'm thinking about, you know, when I hear Hanukkah miracles, I'm thinking um, lockies that cook quickly and don't right. smell. <laughs> I'm thinking about um, Amazon gifts that arrive on time. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. Hanukkah is a time of miracles. It's here I am delving into three, yeah, two thousand years of Jewish history. That's a rabbi, dude. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's Hanukkah is one of those holidays um, where it's really fun if you're with other people, and I think it's a time where people, um, especially those who really dream of giving gifts to to their children at Hanukkah and teaching them their traditions. Um, are really feeling isolated and sad at this time of year. And that's part of what led us to decide on, on our guest and our theme for today's episode. That's exactly right. We, we're really excited to uh, share uh, some information about an organization called the Jewish Fertility Foundation with Alana Frank, CEO. Uh, and she really is going to share with us uh, a, a Hanukkah miracle that goes far beyond uh, burnt latkes and uh, uh, <laughs> presents that might arrive a little late. <laughs> it's true. And just like last week, um, you know, the mikvah, I joked, was my, my northern office uh, for, for a couple of years. You ha- this is really kind of your version of that, you know, an organization that you've been involved with really as it got started and have been such a, a strong supporter and advocate for. So we're really excited to bring you uh, this very special conversation with Alana Frank of the Jewish Fertility Foundation. Laura and I am excited about our conversation today because we are joined by Alana Frank, who is the CEO and founder of the Jewish Fertility Foundation here in Atlanta which is not only uh, one of the flagship incredible institutions here in Atlanta, but has significant national and international attention. Um, I get to serve on the advisory board and and I'm excited about that. But um, uh, Alana has has made such a difference uh, here in Atlanta. So Alana, welcome to uh, our podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. We're so glad you're here. Uh, we wanted to ask you uh, a couple of questions today, uh, mostly because people are, are uh, even though you've been in this for a, for a while now, still learning about the uh, Jewish Fertility Foundation, um, and in fact, still um, wondering why there is even a need for a Jewish Fertility Foundation. So, um, uh, uh, how do you answer that question when people say, "Why sure. is there a separate foundation for Jews for fertility?" Sure. So like many of us in this space, infertility is personal to me. 
Um, I have three children born via various fertility treatments. And I thought growing up as a good Jewish day school gal, that when you get married and you're starting to try your family, to try to have a family, then you have one. And um, like many others out there, that is not always the case. So we understand actually that in the Jewish community, there's a higher statistic than the national uh, average for infertility. So in the Jewish community, it's actually one in six. In the national average is one in eight suffer from infertility. So that is one of the reasons that we started this organization. When, um, tell us a little bit about um, what it's like serving the Atlanta community here. Um, just tell us a little bit about how the organization has grown as well. Sure, um, so the idea came to me now almost six years ago in the swimming pool of the JCC. And I had where all good ideas are born. Well, it was in the baby pool. So I'm not sure if that's actually accurate. But um, I was in the baby pool with my two little babies. And I had just returned from living in Israel. And I had recognized some friends that I hadn't seen in a while. And the subject of infertility came up. And we were talking about it. I hadn't previously really been open about what I had gone through. My journey happened in Israel, or it started in Israel. And what we were talking about, like kind of jokingly, was like, how much did your baby cost? And I was like, well, my babies were actually free because I was living and working in Israel and through socialized medicine, I didn't have to really pay for them. Um, and we were just talking about, well, my baby was like $40,000, my twins cost 60,000. But what we did have in common was the mental anguish that we all felt, you know, just the ups and downs of what we were going through and the unknown and all our friends getting pregnant and we're not and needles and doctors and tough times with your partner, all of that was in common. And that's kind of where the idea came from. And um, from that, because I was living in Atlanta and I very firmly believe in community organizing and bringing services locally to a community, I said, hey, let's start this organization. Let's start by helping people financially um, figure out how to grow their families. And the nature of Atlanta, Georgia, honestly is I feel like it's an incubator for people like me who have ideas and we want to grow them. And we, I was given the opportunity to be able to do so through the Marcus Foundation and through Federation and now today through other local generous donors and to be able to kind of do this and start this model here. Um, Alana, you have the, um, um, the, the privilege and the awesome responsibility of talking to couples all the time uh, who are trying to conceive. Um, and what do you hear from couples uh, about what they need um, as they go through their journey? So um, there's, there's lots of things that they need. One of the things that oftentimes, it's interesting if they're in a heterosexual relationship, Generally, I find that the men are the ones reaching out to me to talk about the fertility grants and how they're actually going to be funding treatment, which is really interesting. My husband was the same way. It was always a question of like moving to our next treatment, like how much is it going to cost? 
how much is this next baby going to cost us? And what's interesting about the women who are reaching out to us, it's often more about the emotional support and just figuring out how they can relate to their friends who are not going through infertility, how they can share with their parents what to say and what not to say. Everybody wants to help you, but oftentimes you don't even know how you need help. But, um, and I will also say that we work a lot with single moms by choice in Atlanta. Um, again, these aren't necessarily intended parents who are 20 years old and potentially fertile. These are women who are later in life and they just haven't necessarily met the right person. And now because of their age, many of them are considered infertile or they have other diagnoses and we've been able to work with them and specifically that group as well in Atlanta. And to add to that, um, I think that sometimes when people think about um, sort of who comes to mind with infertility, they're thinking about um, probably a, a heterosexual couple who does not yet have children. Um, but there's also a phenomenon of secondary infertility where someone might have a child, um, but then is having difficulty that they didn't have in, in the, when trying to conceive the previous child. Um, can you tell us a little bit about whether you have resources for um, couples who are going through that? So actually we do, and we both provide financial assistance as well as our support services. So when it comes to financial assistance, we will support secondary infertility if the woman already has one child previously. Um, we do understand that sometimes you can conceive that first child, but you do need help uh, moving forward. And um, the second part of our services, which are support services, we offer traditional support groups run by infertility therapists. And we offer a fertility buddies program where we match up veterans of infertility with people going through it now. So we actually, what's interesting with our groups is we very much listen to the needs of the people who are in the groups. And a lot of times it's really hard for people who are dealing with primary infertility or not able to conceive their first child to be in the same group with somebody who already has a kid, especially in like these times of Zoom. Like if you hear a kid in the background crying while you're crying about the fact that you're not even able to have one, there is a difference. And then from the perspective of the person who already has a kid, like sometimes people are so insensitive with what they think and feel and say, I know when I was trying to have my third kid, I was traveling back and forth um, to Israel um, because I had extra embryos there and I was leaving essentially my baby's home, but I knew my family was not complete. And like even my family members and friends were like, well, why aren't you focusing and loving your own kids? Like you're working so hard for this third kid, but like you already have kids, like what's, what's going on? And there's not, it's not fair that some, you know, I can't, anytime I want, just have another child or like, there's a lot of work that has to go into it. And there's like a different conversation when you're dealing with people who can understand and relate to this whole secondary infertility. And I appreciate you saying that because I think there's such a, an issue of both stigma and judgment. Um, people have a hard time talking about this, but then a lot of that comes from a fear of, of hearing something insensitive or, or judgmental. So I think you make a, a very important point. Yeah. Uh, you and I have, uh, Alana, both been, um, you more than me for sure, but have been um, outspoken about some of those struggles that, um, uh, fertility struggles that, that 
um, we've both had, and I've talked about it occasionally from the pulpit. Um, I was living in New Jersey uh, at the time, and there were no resources of any kind. My one wish, I was a rabbi. I had nobody to talk to, nobody. Yeah. Right? And that my one wish was to have exactly what you've provided here um, uh, for, for us in Atlanta. So now I get to ask you sort of the, the, the magic wand question. Well, what's your one wish? If you, if you had unlimited uh, time and resources and personnel, you know, what's, what's the one big dream that you have for the, for the foundation um, in the future? Um, so we, I have this crazy goal and I would love to open up 15 more offices in the next five years. So I get phone calls all the time from individuals, whether they're rabbis or fertility attorneys or doctors or veterans of infertility like myself, who are like, oh my God, I heard about your services. How can we open up an office in our location? And basically we've spent the past year and a half creating the model for replication. And now we are honestly at the next stage where we're ready to go. But of course, it always comes down to funding. I need to hire additional staff because I'm like, I'm done with what I can do, right? So I need to hire additional staff to help take us to the next level. Well, That's my dream. Maybe somebody out there listening, uh, <laughs> it'll be a great match. You never know. You never know. I'm interested in hearing um, a little bit more about the Jewish piece of this. Um, we have so many archetypes in the Torah and in the Bible for uh, women experiencing infertility. Um, and as you said, it happens more frequently in the Jewish community. I'm curious, um, what feels Jewish about it? And then what about someone whose connection to this is really, they're not very involved in their Jewish community. Um, tell us a little bit about kind of how, how the Judaism puts a layer to this. So um, we, in everything we do, I think there's Jewish value. It's, we're not like a religious organization. We're not trying to push anyone to be any way. If people are calling about uh, guidance relating as it relates to a fertility treatment, like we'll outsource them and their questions to an appropriate rabbi, I don't deal with that. Um, but when it comes to bringing Jewish content to our clients, like that's an easy, um, an easy thing that we can do. For example, um, a rabbi just recently reached out to us a few weeks ago and um, one of her congregants as well and said, listen, we had this idea that in an effort to help our congregation feel more supported around miscarriage and stillbirth, we want to come up and write this prayer. And we said, cool, we're on it. We love that idea. Do this with us. And in like 24 hours, we had 18 Jewish um, JFF, Jewish Fertility Foundation clients coming together and saying from all different uh, Jewish backgrounds, like Orthodox, Reform, Conservative, not affiliated, um, reconstructionist, everyone. So who came together and said, you know what? I've had a loss. Everybody's loss is a little bit different, but this sounds really cool. Like I would love to come together and see what this is about. We created a, I didn't write it. Um, it was beautiful. You will see it soon. It's going to be aired on Thursday night for Hanukkah, but it's this beautiful prayer that was written by actual people who have had, um, loss in their community and we were able to share that with our community it's like such a meaningful approach to 
something that's so real for, and so raw for so many people and so private for so many people. Um, and then, I mean, those are the more touchy-feely kind of things. But then tonight, we're also having a, a latke and vodka event for our single moms by choice in Atlanta. So like, again, you can do the traditional um, Hanukkah events, but you can also do the more meaningful, um, introspective, um, you know, connection to, to God type of events. But the other piece of it, you know, a lot of times I was on another call right before this and it's one, with one of our exploratory committees. I think it was in Boca in Florida. And one of the questions that they asked is, are you only for the Orthodox community? And I, I found that so interesting because no, we again, work with everybody. We're working with the Jewish community. But what we've noticed actually, and this was not intentional, is that I think it's like 35% of our uh, client base in Atlanta are actually interfaith. And that was not something we set out to do, but we are often the first point of contact for the interfaith community. And we're providing this Jewish experience for them, sometimes their first Jewish experience. And we're basically walking them through, hopefully having a child, and then we're able to hand them off to other organizations that will provide services to them. So like, we have one couple who now sends their kid to the JCC. They were not involved at all in the Jewish community. They're not going to be going necessarily to a traditional Jewish synagogue, but they can be part, they can go to events with um, 18 Doors or, you know, other organizations. Another example is like another interfaith couple, unfortunately had a stillbirth and her husband is not Jewish and they had a pastor come and, or I don't know exactly, who came, but somebody from the non-Jewish community um, came and helped with the burial of this baby. And I said, hey, listen, like, I'm not pushing anything on you, but would you like me to connect you to a rabbi to talk to you, to sit with you, to be with you? And they did. And that was like literally one of the first touch points to a rabbi that she ever had. And so we're providing this experience Jewishly that hopefully will stay with them for the rest of their lives. It's amazing listening to you tell these stories. They're just, they're just incredible and touching and stories that I think people don't know about. Um, you know, we and so many synagogues now uh, on the holiest day of the year, on, on, on Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur, acknowledge um, uh, couples who are struggling with, with fertility. And, and that's something that, that you've helped to, to uh, educate the community about. I wanted to ask you, you know, uh, most Jewish professionals work for uh, legacy institutions that have been around for a long time, and you are uh, at a startup. What, what sure. are you most proud of in, you know, and you started this organization, but what do you, what's been the greatest achievement of the foundation thus far? Well, we have 50 babies. Um, about a week and a half ago, we had our 50th baby, and I know it's not supposed to be about the baby because we're helping people through the journey. But I don't know. I normally that's it's, huge. That's a huge achievement. <laughs> it's huge. Um, it's hard for me to like sit back. I'm not the type of person to sit back and reflect. Um, that was a really that was like cool. We've given out close to a half a million dollars in fertility grants, clinic discounts that we've secured, and interest-free loans. That's cool. What was cool is we actually moved offices last week to Honeymoon Israel's headquarters. 
And I was able to literally like go through five years worth of like papers and stuff and just files and like, wow, I was like looking back at, you know, the early days. And I mean, it's, it's a nice reflection point. So yeah. Huge, huge successes. And uh, I only wish that, um, you know, what you had started in, was in New Jersey when I, when I needed it most. You are providing an, it just an extraordinary value to our community. That's great. So how do people, so first, how do people get more information? Great. And um, kind of as we wrap up, what is something you wish listeners and the broader Atlanta Jewish community knew uh, about JFF? Sure. So first of all, we are all about social media. Um, you can follow us at Jewish Fertility Foundation and our website's jewishfertilityfoundation.org. And what is something somebody should know about Jewish Fertility Foundation? Um, I will tell you that even if you don't need our services, um, from a financial point of view, we offer a tremendous amount of emotional support. So it is open, it is free, and it is actually open to anybody regardless of religious background. So if you have a friend who's experiencing infertility and wants to join our, one of our support groups, of course, everything is virtual now, um, or they would like a fertility buddy, great. We have people, and again, we're open to anybody regardless of religious background. Wonderful. Alana, thank you so much for joining us today. And um, we hope that uh, the next 50 babies and, and the next uh, set of happy stories come speedily uh, to, to so many families. Oh, thank you. <laughs> happy Hanukkah. Lauren, I'm so glad we had that conversation. Uh, this is uh, really what feels like a taboo subject for so many people. And the more we can open it up and the more we can share it with people, um, uh, the, the, the better it can be. And uh, we are in the season of Hanukkah, the season of bringing light um, into the world. And uh, this conversation and this organization brings so much uh, energy and light and love into the world. Absolutely. And it, just even in the last month, the number of uh, temple members or people connected to our community who have um, either been referred to JFF or who have come to us for assistance in connecting there um, and said, wow, I, I had no idea this existed. I wish I had known earlier. Um, we hope for our listeners that if you know somebody who's going through this journey, that, that you share this information with them um, so they don't have to go through this journey alone uh, one more day especially in the season of Hanukkah and joy. So we will see you next week for a uh, Hanukkah themed episode. And uh, in the meantime, we wish you a wonderful holiday. And thank you for joining us for yet another episode of the podcast from the temple. Where we inspire lives. And transform our world. <laughs>